From the studios of KUT Austin, this is Texas Music Matters. KUT's Texas Music Matters is made possible in part by Lewis Shanks of Texas, offering fine home furnishings since 1945. LewisShanksFurniture.com. I'm David Brown. Today, it's the music your mother warned you about. The stuff believed to be too corrupting for polite society, too dangerous for prime time. Today, we celebrate Outlaw Radio and its influence on music. The story of the Border Blasters is a big part of Texas culture, indeed, American culture, and its effects continue to be felt to this very day. For much of the 20th century, radio was the voice of the establishment, selling not just detergent, but a whitewashed, idealized vision of America, a vision that wasn't entirely accurate. From the early 30s until the early 70s, late at night, strange sounds would skip across the stratosphere, filling the air over America with howls of wild animals, the promises of faith healers, the voices of Spanish speakers, and heaven forbid, that devil rhythm and blues music. They were noises beamed into the U.S. from super high-powered radio transmitters just across the Rio Grande, beyond the reach of federal authorities out of Washington. These were stations with call signs like XCR, XCRA, and XCRF. The outlaw stations played music you wouldn't hear on the mainstream stations. Everybody likes my rocket 88, baby, we'll ride in style, moving on along. These X stations inspired many musicians, including the legendary Texas guitarist Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top. When Gibbons wrote Country Jesus Hillbilly Blues That's Where I Learned My Licks, it was autobiographical. Gibbons remembers being eight or nine years old, up late by the radio light, holding his guitar and trying to copy those strange sounds coming over the speaker from some exotic place on the other side of the Rio Grande. Yeah, growing up in Texas, the quest was spinning the dial wheel. That's Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top. Because of the omnipotence of border radio's broadcasting power, you couldn't miss it. Coming in like a police call, you could um, hear Muddy Waters, Jimmy Reed, T-Bone Walker, Albert Collins, Freddie King, B.B. King, you name it. You had XERF, XERA, XEG out of Reynosa, and of course the famous uh, XERB out of Rosarita, California. All of these superpower stations were just fascinating. Heard best late at night. There is uh, some stratospheric uh, anomaly that allows certain frequencies to penetrate uh, through the clouds uh, after dark, and that made it even more magical. And this is, you have to go back in the context of being a teenager in Texas in the 1960s. Texas music writer Joe Nick Petoskey. I just remember the first time I ever heard Wolfman Jack fading in and out of those that distant signal from the border. 
is a little scary. The Wolfman drops you from the big X. Who was this guy with this voice and, and these wolf howls and playing what I consider to be really good dirty music? A lot of rhythm and blues, a little bit of hillbilly, but mainly just, just music that, that you didn't always hear on your local Top 40 station, a little too risque. And here was this guy, and it sounded like he was doing it from a compound in uh, an area that, that must, he must have been surrounded by soldiers with machine guns. You know, definitely doing something illegal. You really felt like this was, this was wrong, but you couldn't help but listen. So when I heard, I heard it on the X, hey, that Givens guy, he knows too. Over the years, there have been a lot of songs about the magic of radio. One about border radio even hit the charts back in the 80s. When music producer Rick Clark joined the members of Los Super 7 to record an all-star salute to Tex-Mex rhythm and blues, X marked the spot. The song Heard It on the X immediately spoke to me because it was the same kind of heartfelt love letter that I felt. Do you remember back in 1966? Country Jesus, hillbilly blues, that's where I got my licks. Oh, from coast to coast, line to line, and every ground is there. I'm talking about the Argo axis cutting through the air. Radio, when it was at its most powerful, and when it is at its most powerful, has a way of helping you transcend where you're at or illuminate where you're at and make it larger. You know, anyone who has a heart has experienced being moved by something that happened on radio. I just thought Gibbon said it, and he said it like a celebration. The song Heard It on the X is a little like the subject it celebrates. Not everyone knows about it, and a lot of others just don't get it. But in an age when voices halfway around the world are just a mouse click away, perhaps it's worth having a song to remind us what it used to be like, to click on the radio, turn off the lights, and let exotic sounds from distant towers take you far away.
first come to town, people, I was walking down Hastings Street. I heard everybody talking about the Henry Swain Club. I decided I'd drop in there that night. And when I got there, I said, yes, people, yes, they were really having a ball. Yes, I know. Boogie, children. Crazy beat. Jingle, 
flower and bow your head. Tell her she's nice, don't be afraid. Grab her girl and spin around. You know, whoever picked out the location for this uh, broadcasting station sure did a swell job for what a beautiful city this is. Modern restaurants, hotels, and stores, and a block down the street, and you feel as though you were in another world. Mysterious, exciting, and romantic. It's truly where the old world meets the new. I doubt if there's a place in the world where such a variety of beautiful things are made by hand. They include baskets, blankets, jewelry, pottery, glassware, and curios of every sort. In fact, it's the only truly foreign country that can be reached from the States without crossing the ocean. Now Benny has a word for it. La Estación XCT, Monterrey, Nuevo León. Meaning that this is XCT, Monterey down Mexico way. From the studios of KUT Austin, I'm David Brown, and this is Texas Music Matters. This hour, we're examining the outlaw spirit of the airwaves, which has deep roots in Texas. For half of the 20th century, beginning in the early 30s, the high-powered transmitters along the Texas border just inside Mexico offered refuge for renegade broadcasters looking to evade regulation, and sometimes the cops. Capitalizing on Mexico's willingness to look the other way, some of the strangest characters ever to grace the airwaves drew millions of fans 
from the American heartland and from around the world. They also changed the shape of American culture. From Public Radio's program On the Media, Jamie York gives us the backstory of this phenomenon called Border Radio. Turn your radio on, turn your radio on, and listen to the music in the air. If you were lucky enough to own a new wireless radio receiver in 1923 in small-town Milford, Kansas, there was only one local broadcaster speaking directly to you. Dr. John Brinkley, graduate of the Eclectic Medical School in Chicago, had recently opened a clinic downtown, and he'd also started one of the first radio stations in the Midwest. Brinkley wasn't only a broadcasting pioneer, he was enjoying runaway success with a medical procedure he'd invented. One of the first patients, he had no sexual vigor left. He was flat as a tire. Bill Crawford is co-author of a history titled Border Radio. Dr. Brinkley, looking out his window with this patient in his office, kind of jokingly saw a, a Toggenberg goat and joked with his patient, boy, if you had some of them glands in you, you wouldn't have this problem at all. And according to Dr. Brinkley, the patient said, put them in me, doc, put them in me, I need those goat glands. Brinkley installed the goat gonads in his patient, and nine months later, his wife gave birth to a boy. They named him Billy. The goat gland procedure was a sensation. President Lyndon Johnson, who grew up in the heyday of border radio, was recorded joking about it. You got the authority, you got the power, you got the money. Now, you may not have the glands. The glands? Yeah. I got plenty of glands. All right. I need Dr. Brinkley myself. Yeah. Some of those goat glands. Desperate patients arrived on Brinkley's doorstep daily to pay $750 for their piece of the goat. Among them was Los Angeles Times publisher and early radio broadcaster Harry Chandler. He inspired Brinkley to launch his own radio station, to entertain his patients, and to create more of them. You are again listening to the voice of Dr. J.R. Brinkley out of the Brinkley Hospitals. And you know you're sick. You know your prostate's infected and diseased. And you know that unless some relief comes to you, that you're going to be in the undertaker's parlor on the old cold slab being embalmed for a funeral. He invited listeners to write in with their maladies, which he diagnosed on the air, recommending patent medicines in stock at Midwestern pharmacies, with whom he split the profits. That is, until the American Medical Association convinced the fledgling Federal Radio Commission to yank his broadcasting license. And about that time, Brinkley received a letter from the Chamber of Commerce in Del Rio, Texas, inviting him to come down and build a radio station across the river from Del Rio in Old Mexico in a town at that time which was called Villa Acuna, a very, very tiny border-crossing town. Mexico was chafing against broadcast rules negotiated by the United States and Canada in the late 1920s that seized most of the valuable spectrum for themselves. Mexico saw in Brinkley an opportunity to stick it to their greedy neighbors. There is a saying, the border radio stations are the stick most useful to beat Washington. Dr. Jose Ortiz is professor of communications at Pan American University in Mexico City. He says Brinkley's timing was impeccable. Mexico embraced the broadcasting outlaw with open arms. And Mexican government said, okay, to have the same station that had been closed down because of what you were doing in Kansas, do it here. You will have no problems with us. Brinkley's station was licensed at 500,000 watts, 10 times more powerful than the most powerful station licensed in the United States but it was built to blast at twice that. 
Brinkley Station and its message that you're only as old as your glands could be jacked up to one million watts of radiated power. Locals thought electrocute birds in mid-flight. Electric lights would turn on by themselves. It could be picked up on barbed wire fences and bed springs. The physics of AM radio ensured that border radio had no borders. From coast to coast, border to border, wherever you are, wherever you may be, when you think of real fine entertainment, think of XCRL. When you crank up these transmitters to super high powers at night, the signals actually go up and they bounce off the ionosphere. So you can see that they would cover the globe. They're doing this and hitting points all over the Earth. We have people who heard them on ships in the South Pacific, people who heard them in Scandinavia. We heard tales that the KGB in Moscow tuned into XERF to learn the English language. In America, most radio in the late 20s and 30s was still dominated by the big cities on the coast, trafficking in light sophistication like orchestral or big band music and family-friendly dramas. Brinkley opened the world's most powerful station to what his patients wanted to hear— Performers from vaudeville, carnivals, or old-time medicine shows. That means you're listening to XCRF via Cunha Coahuila in the Republic of Mexico, your cleared channel station that covers every state in the nation. And how do you do, friends and neighbors? This was the era where people were really figuring out that radio and the broadcasting media was a one-on-one media. This was the era where FDR figured out about the fireside chats. But, says Crawford, border radio circumvented government or corporate control over the media. It was uh, programming that spoke directly to the farmer in the Dust Bowl, to the small-town merchant in Minneapolis. It was programming that went direct to the heart of the American people, and it sounded a whole lot more interesting to them than what they could get from the regular radio stations. Brinkley had struck upon the mainstays of border radio programming, health, sex, music, and religion. Preaching became a staple, and radio stations got a cut of the preacher's profits. Meet me on my knees, on your knees, Friday night at 7.30. And listen now, my friends, the prayer tower is open. The prayer tower is open right now. You that need prayer, my God, The prayer team are sitting by the telephones right now to pray. In the early 30s, most religious broadcasting was banned by the national radio networks, and asking for money was strictly forbidden. But not on border radio. Preachers pulled in ears, and that boosted sales of all kinds of products, like baby chicks. But right now, friends, the famous Allied Hatchery is offering you listeners 100 of the regular $5.95 baby chicks. For only $4.95 per hundred if you get your order in right away. Now at this the always price, popular chicks created a kind of hostage situation at post offices across the country. Roy Acuff said he went into the post office to mail some letters on a tour one time, and he uh, heard all of these chickens in uh, for people to pick up. He sent them COD, I guess. You had to, had to get them out. Dallas Turner was a border radio personality for over 40 years as a yodeler, a singing cowboy, a mentalist, and a pitchman. Boy, we sold everything that you can think of. You know, I sold false teeth by mail, aphrodisiacs, erection enhancers, feminine hygiene equipment with the free enema attachments because you ordered before midnight tomorrow night. 
Lonely Hearts Clubs, hemorrhoid medicine, erectile itch formula, and believe it or not... In this age of atomic weapons, worry, and stress, scientific research has produced a substance to help calm and soothe worried and nervous people. Such a substance is in the Sleep Aid Restall. Brinkley helped the pitching go down easier with some of the most influential performers ever in country music. Jimmy Rogers, Bill Monroe, and Woody Guthrie all did stints on border radio. And the first family of country music, the Carter family, spent winters at Brinkley Station. This is where Johnny Cash first heard his future wife, June Carter, while listening to the radio in Arkansas. I don't believe that I'll need to ask you if you enjoyed that good singing, but there is a question that I'd like to ask you. It's this. Where are you planning to spend those few days that you'll have off? Did you know that it's possible for you to visit Monterey, Mexico, have a wonderful drive through a beautiful country, see sights that only Mexico has to see, and it all costs you even less than you would ordinarily spend on your vacation? Well, that's a fact and due principally to the favorable rate of exchange at present. But I must stop. Here's Ava. Estación Radiofusora XCT, Monterrey, Nuevo León, México. Which means that this is Station XCT, Monterey, down Mexico way. Jamie York reporting for On the Media. You can hear On the Media every Sunday morning at 9 here on KUT 90.5. I hear the train a-coming, it's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison And time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling On down to San Antonio When I was just a baby My mama told me, son Always be a good boy, don't ever play with guns But I shot a man in Reno Just to watch him die When I hear that whistle blowing I hang my head and cry But there's rich folks eating in a fancy dining car They're probably drinking coffee and smoking big cigars Well, I know I had it coming I know I can't be free But those people keep them moving And that's what tortures me Down the line, far from Folsom Prison, 
Dave Alvin and the Blasters, Border Radio on our Renegade Radio edition of Texas Music Matters. Coming up, music, money, and mythology as Texas Music Matters continues. From public radio station KUT in Austin. This is a special outlaw radio edition of Texas Music Matters. I'm David Brown. These days, it's popular to complain about how advertising has gotten out of control. We're inundated with commercials, infomercials, and so much money is spent on political advertising alone that some have wondered whether it actually endangers American-style democracy. Well, maybe. But let there be no mistake, the die was cast long ago. And believe it or not, Texas music was a major player. Reporter Michael Olson explains. Wilbert Leo Daniel was one of the greatest salesmen in history. He got his start in the flower business. His first break came in 1928. That's when his employer, Burris Mill, a flour mill in Fort Worth, put O'Daniel in charge of promoting light crust flour. O'Daniel saw to it, that Burris Mills sponsor a radio show featuring a local hillbilly music group. Bob Wills and Milton Brown were a couple of the then-unknowns in the group. Wills later went on to be the king of Western swing, still popular today. Deep within my heart lies a melody, a song of old San Antonio. But before Western Swing was identified with Wills, hillbilly music had to stumble its way around the South. O'Daniel's religious convictions ran counter to the drinking and dancing steeped in the hillbilly music experience. But the music had the potential to move a lot of flour. O'Daniel named the group the Light Crust Doughboys. 
They both grew popular, and eventually, O'Daniel became known as Pappy. I got no troubles, I'm feeling no pain. I got moonshine whiskey down in my veins. So let the light cross the door, boys, and old Pappy Dan play us a song we'll never forget. Pappy picked the music for the band and wrote some too. But Burris Mill became increasingly concerned with Pappy's performance. Veteran radio broadcaster Carrie Janelle is with Origin Jazz Library. O'Daniel managed the Light Crest Doughboys until he was fired by Burris Mill. The reason was he was doing a little bit too much promotion of himself, and he was skimming money off the top when doing personal appearances. So it was for that reason that he formed his own flower company, the W. Leo Daniel Flower Company, in the summer of 1935. That's when he formed a new band, took a few members from the old band, and started the Hillbilly Boys. I like bread and biscuits, big white fluffy biscuits. My dear old ma just makes them grand. We like to sing and play and try to make folks happy. We hope you'll say, please pass the biscuits, Pappy. I like mountain music, good old mountain music, played by the real Hillbilly Band. The Hillbilly Boys was put together to ostensibly promote Hillbilly Flower, but the real reason for it was to promote W. Leo Daniel as a politician. So there were products involved, either Flower or O'Daniel. Pappy and the Hillbilly Boys became even more popular when they took to the airwaves by way of the towering transmitter in Acuna, Mexico. Pappy promoted the flower, but mostly himself. Bill Crawford is co-author of Border Radio. Uh, Pappy O'Daniel started as an outsider, and he took it to the limit when he went to Border Radio. I mean, here he was, a flower salesman with a hillbilly band. He announces over the radio on Easter Sunday, 1938, that I'm going to run for governor. What do you all think out there in radio land? So he gets 54,000-some-odd responses, and he says the next week, well, Every one of these 54,000 responses said I should run for governor except for three. And those three said I was just too good for the job. Too good he wasn't. The W. Leo Daniel for Governor campaign would forever change how campaigns were won in America. In 1938, Texas was a one-party state run by Democrats. There hadn't been a Republican governor since the days of Reconstruction. Democratic insiders underestimated Pappy's phenomenal campaign style. Again, Origin Jazz is Janelle. And if he meets with uh, a Native American family, he's going to put on a headdress. You know, if he meets with somebody at the zoo, he's going to be petting a goat. He was the originator of the photo op. I mean, he really knew what to do with that camera. And he knew that if he was going to get votes, he had to meet the people. Traveling the Lone Star State with the Hillbilly Boys in his Bible, his campaign events drew massive crowds. Bill Crawford says it was the first time many Texans had ever even seen a potential governor. The crowds are so fierce that uh, at several points, Pappy would be going from one town to another and bypassing a very small community uh, along the way. And people told me that the people in those communities that were going to be bypassed, they would actually stand in the road to block O'Daniel and make him do his campaign performance. The future first family of Texas, the Wilbert Lee O'Daniels. Mr. O'Daniel's sweeping primary victory over 11 Democratic opponents is tantamount to winning the governorship. His circus-like showmanship flabbergasted old-time politicians. With a bust and a band, he crooned his way to victory. Pappy eventually ran for Senate and won. Pass the Biscuits, Pappy O'Daniel was probably the greatest vote-getter in Texas history, 
and the worst actual politician. He got almost nothing done when he was governor. He got less than nothing done as senator. He beat LBJ for the Senate in 1941 in a special race. He was the only politician ever to beat LBJ. And LBJ actually, campaigning against O'Daniel, had his own hillbilly band and used exactly the same campaign techniques that O'Daniel used, bought huge amounts of radio time. And uh, Johnson actually went into the radio business after that election to make money for number one, but also because he saw what a huge, powerful political tool owning the media was. So, friends, we come to the close of another program. Politicians from FDR to Lyndon Baines Johnson, Jesse Ventura, and Arnold Schwarzenegger have followed the trail Pappy blazed using the folksy power of radio to create a persona palatable to voters. But Pappy did it first, and he never would have done it without border radio. If God be for us, who can be against us? This is Governor W. Leo Daniel of Texas speaking. Goodbye. Michael Olson, KUT News. Border Radio did a lot more than popularize Western Swing or Texas Swing, whichever you prefer. It played gospel music and folk music shunned by mainstream broadcasters. It played so-called race music. Why? Because the kids wanted to hear it, of course. And the establishment couldn't stop those border blasters. And that inspired a generation of young people all across the U.S. tuning in late at night to hear the Wolfman or some other renegade DJ. And for those of you who want to dig on the Wolfman tomorrow night, I'll be back here, same stand, man, right here on the big XCRB, 50,000-watt clear channel. Austin's own Bill Crawford is the author of what has come to be the definitive document of that era. It's a book called Border Radio. Border Radio pioneered popularizing American popular music, country music, rock and roll, hillbilly, gospel music. Border Radio gave a place where your outspoken men of vision, both religious and political, had a place to let their vision be heard before it was allowed on the regular media. Technically, this era is long past. In the 1970s, Mexico finally signed treaties with the U.S. and others agreeing to clamp down on the megawatt transmitters. But that's not the end of the story. One of the least known chapters involves another band of renegade Texas broadcasters. One, two. She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happened in the mid-60s. As the British invasion took America by storm, Texans were invading the shores of Britain with high-powered transmitters. The problem was back in the 60s, early 60s, the BBC was a monopoly. The Beatles and the Rolling Stones were becoming so popular, and yet in their own home country, on their own home stations, they were very rarely heard. That's Gray Pearson, who is today an attorney in Arlington, Texas. His father was Don Pearson, a little-known innovator in broadcasting. My father, Don Pearson, and... 1964, read a story about the fact that in England, the popular groups really didn't have much of a listening audience because they weren't on the radio. Uh, He was a car dealer out in Eastland, Texas, and decided that he could do better, even though he didn't know anything about radio. He contacted his good friend Tom Danaher, who was a Volkswagen dealer in Wichita Falls. The two of them then raised money, located a former U.S. government minesweeper from World War II, converted it uh, to a a broadcasting ship, but put a full radio station on it, 
drove it across the Atlantic Ocean and began broadcasting at Radio London. Wonderful Big L, wonderful Radio London. And if you just retuned, this is Radio London, and welcome to our test transmission on 277 meters. It's no exaggeration to say that if you were in England in the mid-60s hearing the Beatles or the Stones on the radio, chances were very good you were listening to a Texas radio station beaming its signal from a rusty old decommissioned Navy vessel anchored off the southwest coast of England. The Texas pirates set themselves up as Radio London. Finding you, loving you, in you. And a lovely time, isn't it? I guess a lot of you are on holiday from school at the moment who are listening. And I guess a lot of you also, uh, those of you who go to work, are having a holiday. And you never know, there might be one or two people listening who have just escaped from prison. Mother, I'll be listening. Remember this golden you remember this one from Bobby Rydell. It really irritated the BBC because its listening audience almost immediately exceeded that of the BBC in the BBC's home country. By 1967, it had aroused so much fear and anger in Parliament and among British broadcasting officials that the government passed something called the Maritime Offenses Broadcasting Act to put them out of business. The transmitter was shut off in August 1967. The last song to be played, a song the BBC wouldn't play. Uh, this is Ringo, and I'm just saying cheerio to all you Radio London listeners, because, as you know, we're going off the air. It's a bit of a pity, and the radio will never be the same, but it's one of those things. Cheerio. I'd like to thank you for all of the support that you have given Radio London during the last three years. As one listener put it, the world will get by without Big L, but I'm not sure that it will be a better place. Thank you. As we wind up our hour on the spirit of outlaw radio, it might be worth asking whether the spirit still exists. One of its greatest attributes was its willingness to broadcast the music others were afraid to broadcast, dangerous music, you might call it. Ten years ago, the UK's independent newspaper wrote that rap music had become the last of a breed, the last dangerous music in existence. The sound of harsh, unforgiving modernity, it said hard on the untrained ear, the soundtrack for a violent subculture. But you know, that was 10 years ago. And let's face it, when Amber and her boyfriend Preston are listening to NWA and Daddy's Acura, because it has subwoofers, yo, then you might very well conclude that there's no such thing as dangerous music anymore. Perhaps. But the author of Border Radio, Bill Crawford, seriously doubts that we've heard the last of the radio renegades. 
all of these things come back again and resurface. They resurface in the Internet, and they continue resurfacing whenever new forms of communication, whenever new media are pioneered and uh, allowed to run free. KUT's Texas Music Matters is made possible in part by Lewis Shanks of Texas, offering fine home furnishing since 1945. LewisShanksFurniture.com. Special thanks today to KUT News, which did an outstanding documentary back in 2005. Border Blasters and Outlaw Broadcasters, anchored by the great Ray Benson. Also, thanks to On the Media, a program you can hear on KUT Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. Our program is a production of the Texas Music Matters team. Peter Babb, Laurie Gallardo, and senior producer Andy Euler are behind the scenes. Hope you'll join us again next week. Till then, from all of us in Austin, Texas, I'm David Brown, wishing you the very best.